Hello. Excuse me, I make a podcast where I ask people where they're going. Okay. Where are you going? I'm going to work. <laughs> where do you work? At the planting company. Oh. yeah. What's your job? Uh, I'm an assistant manager there. Yeah, so I just kind of look after everybody, make sure everything goes smoothly. <laughs> What's the best thing about that job? Uh, flexible, it's fun. Uh, actually quite fun when it's not uh, when it's not this cold. <laughs> What's in your bag? Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Have a nice day. Hello, good morning. Hi. I was wondering if I could ask you where you're going. Oh, just home. Right around the corner. <laughs> where have you been? Uh, the gym. Okay, so a lot of energy drinks in your car. Uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Why do you need those? Too many kids and not enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like to do at the gym? Um, I like a lot of cardio running. What's your PB for a 10K? Um, oof, I don't know. I average about seven-minute mile, mm-hmm. so what is 10K is six, 6.3 or so. Yeah, so I don't know. I just like doing it and taking my time to myself. How many kids is too many kids? Right now it's three, with a fourth on the way. You seem quite young to have been uh, so prolific. <laughs> well, uh, maybe it's uh, the vitamins I take. I'm almost 40 and I feel about at 60. You do not look almost 40. <laughs> what brought you over to England? Because you're not from here, I'm guessing. I'm in the uh, Army with the U.S. What's so, your job in the Army? So I do administrative IT work. So, desk job, relatively slow-paced. I did all my exciting stuff when I was younger. What was the most exciting thing you did in the Army? Uh, I used to jump out of airplanes, so that was pretty exciting. Where did you jump out? Did you see service, see action? I did. Where? Uh, um, Overseas, uh, Afghanistan, um, back in the States, mostly Texas and uh, Georgia. Tell me about a tour of Afghanistan, if you don't mind. It was very long and very hot. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting time, uh, about 2012, so now 10 years ago. Did you believe in it at the time? I know you're still in the army, so that might sound offensive. No, 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 not at all. Um, I believed in doing the best that I could for the guys I was with. Um, being so low on the totem pole, uh, you know, you don't have the ability to outthink the the smart generals and all that you would see different perspectives but you know it it was a job and we were sent to do it but it it definitely formed a cornerstone of my life and for better and for worse when you were talking about it you kind of looked up into your head like you were remembering the pictures of it um i don't want to say it was traumatic being in afghanistan but i'm imagining it wasn't a picnic no, I mean, it, it's weird. As you get older, you look back on it with nostalgia. But being there, you're counting down the days until you can get home. Um, but, yeah, I was just talking to my wife about it because we had, um, over the past year, we've been helping a lot of refugees um, relocate to the States because I'm sure you're well aware of all the mess, you know, towards the end of it. So I was able to use a lot of friends and stuff, and we got a phone call from one of uh, my former translators, who's now back, he's relocated in the United States, and so. What do you think about the? Um, this is a British issue, so perhaps you can speak mm-hmm. to it without um, 
being disloyal to the military. (laughs) But what do you think about the fact that some translators got stuck? They're still there. Oh, it's terrible. I can say that with strong confidence. I mean, it's whether or not it was British or American, I feel like there was a lot more that could have been done. And it was just a ham-fisted effort. But that was sort of what I experienced when I was there. It was like the the overall scheme was there, but all the little details weren't worked out. So with the idea that you're going to be there for 20, 30 years, and then when it comes down to you have one month left to do it, the government doesn't work fast. And something like that, just it's a confluence of bad uh, bad times. What was your relationship with your translator like? Or what is a, a soldier's relationship with their translator like? So he would, he would accompany me on... Uh, missions you know we would go out pretty much every day go meet with local officials i knew very little pashtun i'd picked up hello and goodbye um but he would act as you know my direct words to whoever it was that i was speaking to obviously who's as a translator but um he was also you know he would live with us and sleep with us um and some of the translators were locals that were recruited some were americans that um you know were a little more vetted um it was the local nationals that obviously received kind of the short end of the stick so um i want to know what it's like to jump out of a plane into a war zone um well i never jumped into a war zone fortunately i think in the u.s army there's only been two in the last 20 years and both are kind of uh looked at as glorified jumps, um, but not quite World War II or Korea-type <laughs> levels. Um, you just focus on not getting hurt, to be honest. You're carrying so much weight, and you you always think you're higher uh, than you are because it happens very quickly. Um, yeah, and a lot of people get hurt, and there's nothing you can do about it because sometimes you're at the mercy of the wind. You do have rudimentary directional ability, um, but the the focus is to land where you're supposed to in a general area and not break your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Parachute jumping 101. Right, right. Um, you've got three, almost four children. Uh-huh. Would you let any of them join the military? Well, my parents did not like it when I joined. So <laughs> having been on the other side of the... Uh, I, you know, I would listen to what they would say, especially them growing up during Vietnam. I think that painted a very specific. And I often wonder in 20 years if I am my parents, you know, looking back on uh, the recent events. Yeah. Thank you very much for talking. I appreciate it so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Well done on going to the gym so early. me hello i make a podcast where i ask people where they're going and you've got loads of bags where are you taking them uh i'm going to new zealand really yeah are you from new zealand no i'm from scotland uh but i'm uh i'm a geologist um and so i'm going to look at the rocks in new zealand that's very exciting is that part of studies yes i'm a phd student what rocks are you going to look for or look at particularly so i study basically the plumbing systems underneath volcanoes 
Um, so I'm going to go and look at some modern volcanoes, but also some ancient ones where the top's been eroded away and you can look at what was happening underneath. This is like the sort of job that you imagine you could get when you were a kid, but you don't meet anyone who actually does it. <laughs> Have you always been a kind of fossily collecting type person? Um, I've always been very into sort of natural sciences, yeah. So is this trip you're taking, you've got a wheelie bag, rucksack, carrier bag, is this like a dream trip? Um, yeah, it's been a trip I've been wanting to do for a really long time. It was going to be, it was originally going to happen in 2020, um, and then obviously New Zealand closed its borders, so uh, it's been a long time coming. Are you frightened? Nervous? Apprehensive? Uh, no, I'm excited. <laughs> Do you know anybody that is anyone expecting you? Yeah, I've got a really good friend there uh, who also came to study here. Um, so she's uh, yeah, she's going to help me out with my fieldwork and I'm going to stay with her as well. What is it about volcanoes that excites you? <laughs> They're just awesome and the rocks are so beautiful. Like The rocks that I study are just absolutely gorgeous. The particular type of rock I study is called orbicular rock. Um, And it's one of these things that you see in museums and they have a little label next to them that says this is a really cool rock, but nobody knows how it forms. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's really exciting to hopefully change that. We can't see anything. It's just radio and we don't have pictures. What does one of those rocks look like briefly? Um, It kind of looks like it's a granite, but it looks like it has round things in it with uh, sort of layers in it, a a bit like tree rings. Um, but it's an igneous rock that forms under volcanoes, so really unusual. So it strikes me you're a girl who's happier outside than inside. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so this is going to be a how many months, do you say? I forgot. Uh, two months. Two months of outside climbing up and poking at volcanoes. And what's the dream outcome? Um, the dream outcome? Well, I'm hopefully going to be finishing my PhD this year, so uh, the dream outcome is to sort of find those last pieces of evidence that I need to put the story together. Um, and hopefully find out how these rocks form. And what would that mean in the world of geology? Um, Well, this is something that people have been studying for about 120, 140 years now, and we still don't really have an answer, so it would be very exciting. Do you have a theory? I do. (laughs) Would you tell me? Probably shouldn't just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great trip, a kiora, as they say. If um, you make that breakthrough and you become famous, I'm going to claim this fame. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Where Are You Going? with me, Catherine Carr. The music's by Edwin Pearson and it's produced by the team at Loftus Media. We'd love it if you could like and subscribe to this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. And even better, share them with anyone asking for recommendations. Thanks.